0: Um, is number two, the parables of Jesus. The title is Serving by Faith. Um, As I have started studying for this series, I I found some interesting facts concerning um, Jesus and his parables. Jesus spoke over 40 parables, and interesting enough, these short stories that shed light on a biblical truth were really not simple stories to help clarify doctrine as, to be honest with you, you know, it's what I was taught and what I believe, uh, or what I had believed all these years. But in, re- in all reality, they were to confuse some of the Jews in Israel as a judgment against their unbelief. Um. The first two years of Jesus' ministry, he never told a parable. And after that two-year mark, he, he really up until then, he, he just continually expounded upon truths from the Old Testament Scripture. And one the Sermon of the Mount would be a, a prime example of that. But um, from the two-year mark on... He only spoke in parables. And it was for the specific judgment of the religious, uh, legalistic Jewish leaders um, who did not understand his parables. And that was on purpose. Um, just because these stories are well known does not mean that the true meaning is fully understood. Um, because Jesus used them to hide the truth. In in fact, you'll find leading right up to the crucifixion, it was a parable that he spoke to the Jews that riled them to the point of killing him because they did not understand. And so I'll show you um, and understand that a story without explanation is a riddle. And that was what he used those stories for to the Jewish leaders. Um, but for those who believe, those who are saved, they do powerfully illustrate a divine truth. And so these stories had a profound purpose. And in Mark um, chapter 4, verses 33 and 4, I want to give you the scriptures to back up what, what I've said. I've put it, um, th- these first two verses um, in the NIV because they, the, they're very plain spoken. And it says in verse 35, though, that that day, that day, keep, keep that in mind, very interles- interesting because that day is predicated with two verses in verses 33 and 34 concerning parables and we want to we want to look at those it says with many similar parables Jesus spoke the word to them so much as they could understand he did not say anything to them without using a parable from that day But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. But when he was alone, think of that, with his disciples, he explained everything. One might ask, why parables? You know, why did he use parables from that day forward? It says, from that day on, he never spoke to them without using parables. The third year of his ministry, when speaking in public to crowds, especially the Jewish leaders, he spoke in parables. And so, you know, we ask, well, why did he do that? Let's look at Matthew 13.10. It also, in the NIV, because it gives a clear explanation. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? There's the question. So Jesus himself is going to answer the question as to why From the two-year mark in his ministry on, he spoke in parables. And here's his reply. Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. He's talking to his disciples who asked the question. But not to them. Speaking of those religious leaders and those that were unsaved. Whoever has... And men, listen to this. Whoever has will be given more. Speaking to Christians and all, and explain that. And they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken away. Wow. Hmm. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. To them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, or in them is fulfilled the prophecy, Isaiah. I don't have time to go back this morning and, and take you to what happened. But I'll paraphrase what actually transpired. So for the last year of his ministry. That day. As we've seen in verse 35 forward. He spoke only in parables. In order to what? Fulfill prophecy of Isaiah. And hide the truth. From the Jews. Why was he trying to hide the truth? In order to set up the crucifixion and to fulfill the prophecy and secure salvation for mankind. If they had understood, they may not have crucified. But they didn't understand, and that's why he spoke in parables. Forty parables understood by the disciples. Why? Because it said, Jesus himself taught them and explain them and give them the explanation of the intended and revealed the truth to them of the parables, to his disciples. Forty parables that we too can understand. How? Because of the Holy Spirit that lives in us, revealing through the power of illumination, The Holy Spirit illuminates the scripture and gives to us by his indwelling presence. Kelly said she sat in a swing and God revealed to her, not through audible spoken words. He didn't come down and, and yeah, but the Holy Spirit that lives in you reveals truth of the scripture, illuminates it, shows you what it means because he lives inside of you once you put your faith and trust in him. So we as Christians can understand because of the illumination (coughs) of the scripture. I found this all very interesting that, that Jesus taught his disciples these truths and the Holy Spirit teaches us these truths from the parables. Stories. Simple stories They weren't true stories, they were stories that he used to make up truth. It is rather long, but I want to read our parable for today because it is part of some of the scripture, we'll we'll go refer back to it um, as we read it together. Uh, It's in Matthew 25, if you want to find it on your iPad, your Bible, your phone, whatever, There's 15 or 16 verses of it. We're going to read it. I use the New King James um, just simply because it's what I understand best. But we'll read it together this morning, the whole parable. Beginning in Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came back and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents, and look, I have gained five more talents besides them. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant." You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him also, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. Giving back his one talent. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you brought to, (laughs) you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own at least with interest. So take the talents from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. He will have an abundance. Man, underline that. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The parable of the talents leaves us with three overwhelming thoughts that I'll give to you this morning. But please note that each servant is given money, a talent, equal to about 20 years' wages. One five, one two, and one one. According to one's ability. These talents are represent opportunities to use our ability, and obviously some had more ability than others. And the first thing that this parable teaches us is we ought to love the appearing of the Lord. When God comes to you and saves your soul, and He has given you gifts and talents, and we see what He is doing in our presence we ought to love, we ought to cherish the things that transpire around us. We are living in a period of time when we have been assigned our ministries, those that are Christians, that are called, and, and, and God has saved your soul, and He g- gives you a ministry, He'll lead you into a ministry according to your gifts and abilities. God has given us. It is our privilege to serve and multiply and be stewards of the things of God. And let me stop and tell you what things we ought to multiply. The fruit of the Spirit is is what transpires out of our life. It's the change. (coughs) Excuse me. It's the change that takes place in our life from someone that was just maybe wicked, hellacious, that God, once He saves you, He changes you. It's not instantaneous. There's no one in this room that's perfect. And no one in this room that got saved that instantaneously became perfect. It takes time. Your child didn't wasn't born one day and get up and start walking, playing day two. Christians don't walk on day one. It's a gradual process. And so but those servants that that we see in this parable we we have to understand that it is it is their privilege to serve and to multiply and to be stewards of the things of God just that it is our privilege to take the gifts and talents and use what God has given us to serve Him. These servants fell into two different categories, faithful and unfaithful. Those willing to take a risk. You say, risk? Yeah. Or it could be better said, Those with faith and the one without faith. We are continually taught throughout Scripture that without faith it is impossible to please God, which is the essence of risk management. You say, what's that mean? It's based on the promises of God. He promised, if you look at what Jesus said, He said, whoever has will be given more. And they will have an abundance. Wow. And whoever does not have what they have will be taken from them if it's not used. And there's, and there's no faith to serve, to use your gifts and talents, your money and your ability. We lose sight of that sometimes. And, and it is a risk by faith to trust God to do the things that we do. So the servants with faith who were faithful took their money the talents that they were given, the gifts and the talents, and put them to work for the Lord. My question would be to you today, are you putting your gifts and your talents and your abilities to work for the Lord? An unfaithful servant who was scared think, listen to what he said. I was scared. I knew he was a hard man. He was scared, worried, afraid. It was baseless. And it was unjustified, but he was. Why? Because he didn't live by faith. There was no risk management. There was nothing about this individual that he lived by faith, took what he had, and served God with it. Folks, (laughs) he, he, he buried his gift, his talent. His ability, his money, he buried it. We ought to love the fact that Jesus uses us, our gifts, our talents, our ability, our money to serve him and multiply the kingdom. He did not bless and give us the gifts, the talents, and the abilities. To bury them and set and hide until Jesus comes. Amen. There is going to be a group of churches someday and Christians and board of directors and, and, and deacons that are going to be held accountable for their stewardship of God's gifts, talents, and ability and monies. You mark my word, we ought to love the appearing of the things that God shows up and gives us all that we have to work with and serve Him and take advantage of it. Because the more that we have, the more will be given and we'll have an abundance. He'll replenish what we use to serve Him and build the kingdom. How many large steeple few people churches sitting on coffers of money, left for what? The Antichrist to use? To do nothing, to reach people with the gospel, to reach the lost? to spread the love of Christ? Can you imagine the accountability that's going to be taking place at the judgment seat of Christ? We need to take advantage of what God has given us and use it. I, I've said, you can ask our board, I hope there's not one dime in the bank here when Jesus comes back because I don't want to be held accountable for why I didn't use it. I want to be, I I be on mission. I want to be serving. I want to be seeing people saved. I want to see this baptistry being used. How many large steeple, few people, churches never see what we see? We're blessed above and beyond what we even think or can comprehend. Amen. Amen. The spreading of the love of Christ. So first, we ought to love what he's doing, his appearing. This Lord showed up in their lives and give them talent. God has showed up in our midst and give us abundantly. There's not a church around that you'll all compare talent for talent, ability for ability, and money per capita of the amount of people that we have and what God has done here. Second, we need to look for His appearing, His reappearing, and be vigilant and look for opportunities to place people with gifts and talents An opportunity to use the money that God has provided. He has entrusted us with this in order to do one thing. And that is build the kingdom. And reach people with the gospel. Not to bury it. Whether that is building a new facility. Whether that is maintaining and bettering. What we have, we're giving it to others in missions and such. We will be held accountable if we're hoarding and burying our gifts and talents and abilities and money. If we don't use the folks and their gifts, if you're not using your gifts and talents, you're going to be held accountable. I'm not promoting frivolous spending. There's not a person here that will tell you that has served with me on the board of this church that I promote frivolous spending. But I do promote spending what we have because I know God's going to reimburse us and give us more and more and more the more we use what we have to reach those with the gospel. We ought to always, as a church... Be looking for people to serve. Adding to the ministry. Adding to those folks to get involved in the building of the kingdom and spreading the gospel. And you never know who that is and who God is going to use in some special way. Man, I got my eyes opened up to that just this week. (laughs) Someone from our church. That, that God was just using in a magnificent way, apart from here. We never seen it, never had a clue. I had Gene Maynard's funeral. And I, I knew some of his story because he had came to me one time. And, and by his own omission, he said, Preacher, I was a very bad person. He said, and I mean bad in bad, bad. He said, I've used my hands to do things that I don't even want to talk about. (laughs) And he swore me to secrecy that I'd never tell it while he's alive. But he was an ex-military served in two branches of the service, a mercenary, the guy that would go in and take people out. Literally. This is some... I called him Gentle Jean. He sat on the back row with all the rest of you reprobates, as it was told this morning. <laughs> Gentle Jean had a had a twangy voice. You'd never uh, some loving little old grandpa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He was an enforcer. Now get this. An enforcer. You know what an enforcer is? He was an enforcer for the Avengers. <laughs> A self-proclaimed very bad person. And he told me, he said, Preacher, I, I just, I, I, I've done terrible things and I, I, I don't know how, to live with the guilt and the shame and I don't even want to talk about it. He said, but I love the Lord. Once I got saved, I love the Lord. And I'd tell him, I'd say, Gene, it's all under the blood once you got saved. You're forgiven. His son told me this week. He said, preacher... You and the people of Big Branch Church saved my dad's life. He said, You give him a new lease on life, you extended it. I said, How do you say that? He said, You taught Gene and told him that he could still be friends with all his friends, that he could go to their meetings. And I told him that. I said, Gene, you don't have to quit going to the Avenger meetings. You don't have to quit doing everything that you're doing. He taught the enforcers of the Avengers. He taught these folks. He's the one that taught the SWAT unit in Huntington. There there was an undercover officer there speaking to one of his sons, and I walked up, and he said, that's the meanest white man pound for pound that I've ever met in my life. He said he had me put on a helmet. He he asked, he said, 70-some years old. And he said, we're in this meeting, and he says, I want the meanest person in the room to stand up and come up here. He said, nobody go up there. He said, we didn't have a clue who this little old man was. And, and he said, finally, he said, I, I, I volunteer. He said, son, you better put your helmet on. One of those boxing things with padding about two inches thick. He said, he beat my face black and blue through that before I could get my hands up to my face. His nickname was Switchblade. Hatchet. And we knew him as little Gene that helped Paul do the coffee. <laughs> he told me one time, he said, what's this security stuff that you talk about around here? I said, well, we've got a group of men that, you know, they're here to protect people, not property, but people. We'll give them the offering, but they're, he's, they're here. He said, you don't have to worry about that. Ain't nobody going to bother you as long as I'm here. I'm like, do what? <laughs> his son told me, he said, after he started coming to your church, lived in Columbus, he said, and I in church. He said, one Sunday morning, he walked in my church, had his jacket on, you know, the leather jacket. He said, I thought, oh, my God, they're here to rob us. <laughs> he said, God changed his life. Unbelievable. And it gave him a lease on life because he could still go and meet with his friends and be involved. You say, what did what that look like? <laughs> many of those men at his viewing, motorcycles setting outside, those of you that went to the viewing, many, of them were there. And at the funeral, Mark, be my witness, they were lined. So many people there, they were lined around the wall. Standing room only, telling of his witness and how he would meet with them and talk about the life, how he had, God had changed his life. And tell them that he loved the Lord and the kind loving people of Big Branch Church accepted him for who he was. Oh my goodness, if we'd look beyond appearance and understand the gifts and the talents that God has given us and the people that we can win with our testimony. The more we use, the more we spend, the more he'll give us to reach the lost with the gospel. Wow. Why? Because he's a God that replenishes those doing the faithful work of the ministry that by faith give and with not just their money but with everything that they have with the purpose of reaching the lost. God is in the saving business. And He'll use people like Gene to reach the unreachable. Last, we need to labor until His appearing. Please notice the servant with one talent. I do not think purposely did evil but by doing nothing, committed sin. By being scared, no faith, robbing his Lord of his service and increase. Yet the two by faith, and notice that they had faith, they received commendation, praise, and reward. In fact, Their amount of stewardship was not just replenished, it was doubled. The more we do, the more we spend, the more we look for people to be involved and reach the lost, God will double our increase. The one who not by faith buried his was taken and given to the faithful ones who by faith invested and increased. Wow. What we do not use for the Lord, we are in danger of lo- losing. Remember that. The master reprimanded the unfaithful. He took his gifts and talents from him and gave to the faithful. And bless God, I believe we see God doing that in churches a lot today. Folks that want to work, folks that will work, folks that want to give, folks that want to see people saved, folks that want to see a baptistry used, being sent from one church by God to somewhere that is willing to live by faith and reach the lost. I'm not being critical, I'm just being factual. There was no risk in this gentleman burying his talent. There's risk when you live by faith and trust God and continue to build and move forward. But there was no reward either for the gentleman that buried his talent. No one gets saved. No one gets reached. No one's loved by folks sitting on the sidelines. No one hears the gospel in large, expensive, empty churches with lots of money in the bank. You think about that. Let me close. It is, is it possible that the one-talent man thought that his talent was not really important? Huh. He did not have five talents. He didn't even get given two talents. Maybe he asked the question, why should I worry about one? Here is why. Because he was appointed steward by The Lord. If you're saved, saved people serve people. And you're to be using the gifts, the talents, the money that God has provided you and made you steward over. You're gifted and talented monetarily provided with and able to serve and give. Where it not for the were it not for the one talented people in our world, very little would get accomplished. If it not for the Gene Maynards of the world, the Avengers would not come to a funeral service where they packed around the walls and hear the gospel preached. Amen. Grown, burly, rough, wicked, mean old men would not have stood around the wall on Thursday where there was standing room only with tears. Running down their cheeks. Hearing a gospel message about forgiveness of their sins. One talented people make a difference. Gene made a difference. Gifted, multi talented, wealthy, unwilling by faith to invest, standing on the sidelines, burying their talents, don't make a difference in the lives of those with hurts, habits, and hang ups. It takes giving of yourself, your time, your talent, your ability your money to make a difference and receive the reward. This parable of Jesus so vividly teaches us to serve, to use our gifts, our talents, our ability, and our money to reach the lost. As I got ready to walk away, one of those burly, I'll be honest with you, it's one of those guys you don't want to see in a dark alley. He came up to me and he said, Preacher, I didn't know why, but Gene gave me a message to give you. Almost every Sunday, as I'd leave this building, he'd smile at me. And his way of telling me that was good was, you keep practicing, you'll get better. (laughs) That big old burly guy. He said he told us if we came to the funeral, Tell you this, and I said, "What's that? You keep practicing. You'll get better. One town of people make a difference. We'll never know the results of what he did outside of this building." I don't know how many from the armed services, how many law enforcement, there was sheriff's deputies, plainclothes policemen, motorcycle riders, standing in that room. Never had a clue what was going on outside these walls. But he was using his talent, his ability, his gifts. Are you using yours to build the kingdom? What's your testimony at work? What's your testimony? at the ball fields? What's your testimony at the places you love? What's your testimony with the people you run with and ride motorcycles with and go four-wheeling? Are they going to stand around the world? Are they going to come to me and tell me? You keep practicing, you'll get better. God, I hope so. Let's stay.